Well, welcome to Sisterhood. This is so exciting, a new semester, yeah. So excited to start off again in the fall and I know there's gonna be new women here um, all over our campuses. So first of all, I just wanna say that Sisterhood is a safe place. It's a place where we want everyone to come and just feel welcomed and loved and accepted and I want all of us this semester to grow and learn and connect. We're probably gonna cry together, we're probably gonna laugh together. And I just wanna let you know that the best thing to do at Sisterhood is to be vulnerable right away. Just open up, if you're new here, it may be a little intimidating like, oh, I've never been with these women at this table before, I'm not really sure. Um, I can guarantee you that these women are going to accept you and love you for who you are because that's what we've taught them to do and that's what they are supposed to do, okay? This is a safe place, like I said. It's a place where we can come and share our life experiences together and we can pray for one another and I just want you to know we're not here to judge you. We're not here to talk behind your back or do any of that, but we are here to speak life to you. We're here to speak hope and faith and we don't deny our circumstances, but we believe the best is yet to come, right? So that is what we're gonna do here at Sisterhood. So just welcome to all the new people joining us this fall. We're so glad that you are here. And in the fall, our Sisterhood curriculum, it mirrors our sparkle theme for the year. And this year our theme is clothed with strength. And so our first lesson today is gonna to be on clothed with humility. And I know that it, it kind of sounds weird, like strength and humility, they almost sound like opposite things, but they're really not. The truth is that they're vitally connected. And if we wanna have the strength of God, then humility is a must because it says in James that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So how can you be strong if God opposes you or resists you? It's not possible. Colossians 3.12 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, humility just means freedom from pride or arrogance. And it's a modest estimate of our own worth. In theology, humility consists of a deep sense of our own unworthiness in the sight of God and submission to his divine will. Some, some other words you might think of are modesty or down-to-earthness. I know, um, I'm sure we can all think of people that we know that are just super real and authentic and we're just drawn to them, right? We can't always put a finger on it, but we know someone um, that has no pretense or arrogance and we love that, it's compelling. So as we look at what humility is, we also need to look at some of the myths that we have about humility. Humility is not putting yourself down or thinking poorly of yourself. You are God's creation. You're beautiful, amazing, capable, and unique. Now we're all imperfect, but humility doesn't focus on our imperfections. Humility also isn't um, accepting any type of abuse. God values you and he wants you to be whole and strong and protected. And as a church, we are here to support you 
in any way, and we wanna help you get to a safe and healthy place if that's needed. So know that this is a safe place and we want you to be safe. There is no tolerance for any abuse. Humility is not being invisible. It's not being a doormat or thinking that you don't matter. We are, as God's chosen people, we are leaders that he has called to change the world and we can do that by being humble. Now, as believers, I think we sometimes shrink back from being thought of as proud or arrogant, right? We don't want that description because we're like, we're Christ followers, we don't want to do that. So we can tend to fall back into those myths and think like, well, I need to be invisible or I need to not be heard, I need to just take what's given to me or accept abuse. And that's not true because we're actually devaluing what God has placed enormous value on, and that's yourself. He says that we are worth the death of his only son, and sometimes we think we're worthless. He's given us a destiny and a purpose and the strength to do it, but sometimes we think our frailties will never be overcome. So we need to understand what humility really is so that we can walk in a true version of it. So first of all, the first point today is that a woman clothed with humility knows her standing. Before I drive somewhere, if I'm going to a meeting or um, somewhere downtown that I don't know, I have to get directions. And thankfully, we have GPS now, right? Without it, I was pretty lost. I used to go, I'm sure some of you did, did you ever go to MapQuest before GPS, right? And you're like, okay, and I'd type in the address and then it would come up with step-by-step directions and then I'd print it out. If I didn't have a printer, I'd have to sit down and write each step out, right? Because I am literally directionally challenged. That is one of my weaknesses. And um, Rob says that whenever, we stay in hotels a lot, and whenever we come out, whichever way I turn, he goes the other way because I'm always wrong. I'm like, the elevator's this way. No, that was the hotel we were in last week, you know? So I am completely directionally challenged, and I really need help with that. So before GPS, I used to write down turn by turn. I don't even do like north, south, east, west, none of that. Like turn by the, uh uh-uh, I need turn right at this street, you know, turn left now. That's why I love when she talks to me, right, the GPS, it's the best. So do you have like different accents? I do like an Australian accent or Rob has an English accent, that's so fun. Anyway, If we want to go somewhere, we have to map out the course. And if my destination is true humility, then we need to map that out as well. And we need to look at Jesus because he was the perfect example of humility. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, we already read in Colossians 3.12 that Paul said we must clothe ourselves with humility. And here Paul is telling us that we have to have the same humble attitude that Jesus had as well. And he set the bar very, very high. Paul told us that Jesus, though he was God, he didn't think that equality with God was something that he had to cling to. Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was God. 
but he chose to come to this earth and to be obedient and die on that cross and become a real human being. He chose to do that. Remember when he washed his disciples' feet? Now, back in the, back in the day when the disciples lived, they walked pretty much everywhere, right? Unless they got a donkey ride. But they would walk and they all had sandals. And so when they would show up at someone's house for dinner, it was the job of the host to provide their washing their feet. And so usually like the low servants would do this job. But I mean, think of it, they would be dirty and sweaty and probably stinky and have calluses. Can you imagine washing people's feet? Well, that's what Jesus did. He washed their feet and he served them. It says in John 13, 13 through 15, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus modeled perfect humility. And then he said that we should act the same way. If you think about it, Jesus was God, the creator of the universe, right? He came to this earth and he washed dirty feet. That's what he did. He chose to come as a helpless baby. He wasn't born to a king and queen. He was born to just a normal young couple. He lived 33 sinless years, and then he died a criminal's death, all to pay for the debt of our sin. Matthew 20, 27 through 28 says, And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If we adopt the attitude that Jesus had, as Paul told us to do, then we will have the same attitude of humility and be willing to serve others. We have to remember who we are. We are daughters of the Almighty God. That's who we are. That's our, our place and our standing, and we represent him. So remembering our place in Christ will prompt us to live humble, obedient lives, and we'll serve others because we understand that our identity is wrapped up in Jesus, and Jesus exemplifies humility. All right, number two, a woman clothed with humility knows God is her strength. If you know the story of Moses, he was the little baby that was put in a basket in the water because all the babies were being killed in Egypt. And Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, his daughter found Moses out in the river and took him in and adopted him. So Moses grew up, I mean, Egypt was the reigning power of that day, and he grew up in a palace for most of his life. And then he ended up killing someone and, and was exiled, and he went off by himself for a long time. But then the Lord called him to lead the people out of Egypt. And even though God spoke to him in a burning bush, Moses um, gave God many reasons why he couldn't be that person, right? If you remember, he had a speech impediment. The theologians think that he stuttered when he talked. And so when God called him to do this, to lead the people out, he gave all these excuses. He was like, no, not me. I can't do this. I have this flaw. And so God said, well, I'm going to use your brother Aaron then to speak. And in Exodus 4.15, he said, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you to speak and, you will and will teach you what to do. So Moses seemed to think 
that because of his weakness, he couldn't do what God had called him to do. He, he felt like he had to do it all in his own strength. And God was like, no, that's, that's not what I've asked of you. Um, if dependence on God is the goal, then weakness is actually an advantage. If dependence on God is the goal, then weakness is an advantage. That's good news. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is all you need. Only when you are weak can everything be done completely by my power. So I will gladly boast about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can stay in me. Now, I don't know about you, but most of us don't walk around and just um, announce our flaws and our weaknesses, right? We don't do that. But we also said that humility isn't putting ourselves down and being self-loathing, but we do recognize that we have weaknesses and it's actually an opportunity for God to exhibit his strength in us. We often hide our weaknesses, but God's ability is magnified through our inability. I love that. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a, a really famous verse that most of us know, but it's so true. We can do everything because of God. He's our strength. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Nothing is too hard for you, God. So though I'm limited in my strength, I'm unstoppable in his power. This is why a woman who is clothed with humility knows her weaknesses and she sees them as means by which God can work. Number three, a woman clothed with humility is surrendered to God. Here's the truth. God uses humble people who do things his way. In 1 Corinthians 1, 26, it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. This is so mind-blowing if you think about it because we would choose the wise and the powerful and the strong, right? That's what we would do in our flesh. But God uses us not in spite of our weaknesses, but because of our weaknesses. It's all about him. And maybe you've heard the saying, God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. That's, that's a saying that we say a lot in church, like, you know, I don't have it all together, but God is still going to use me. Well, Moses hadn't had, he hadn't read any leadership books, okay? Moses hadn't been to a bunch of conferences. He didn't do an internship with the CEO. He just obeyed God, right? When he said to lead the people out of Egypt, he just obeyed and he allowed God to work through him. To be used by God in powerful ways, talent is not required. Woo, that is good news, ladies, for all of us, right? There's no talent required. God is not measuring your usability by worldly standards. We've already talked about it's all his strength and not our own, but he's more interested in our surrender than our strength. He already has limitless strength. He has limitless power and talent. He doesn't need these things from us. He will provide those to us. 
He just wants our hearts. So if you don't get anything else out of this message today, get that. He just wants our hearts. Now, I've been there, and you probably have too, where you've been in situations where you felt foolish or weak or unprepared. But we have to revisit our definition of humility. It's freedom from pride or arrogance. And so that first word there, freedom, is the start of humility. So we have to drop the burden that we all carry of, I've got it, I have to have it all together. I need to have all the answers. I need to be the perfect wife, mother, daughter, employee, church attender, right? We feel like we have to have it all together and be perfect. No, we need to surrender it all to God. We are accepted. We're loved. We're cherished. We're beloved. We're celebrated by God. He doesn't love us for what we've done, but just because we're his children. We don't have anything to prove. And if you're a parent, you know that that's so true. You don't love your kids because of what they do or how they perform or what they do for you. You love them because they're yours. It's the same way with God. He loves us because we're his daughters. So whoever you are and whatever talents you have and whatever your resume looks like, the answer to the question, God, will you work through me, is a resounding yes if you're willing to surrender your life to him. So that's your part. That's it. If you want to partner with the Lord in this life, then you will need to humbly lay yours down. Lay it down exactly as it is right now. You don't need to clean yourself up. You don't need to be, okay, once I read the Bible through, then I'll I'll surrender. I'll lay my life down. He wants you to hand over the reins to your life right now, just, just as you are. Then he can use you to have an impact on the world. And you know what? Then he'll get all the glory, which is where it's supposed to go. Because if we rely on our own talents and our own strengths, he doesn't get the glory. We do. Now, when God gave me my assignment of speaking and leading the women of this church, he did not consult me. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) He didn't ask to see my Myers-Briggs or my Enneagram, right? No, God, I'm an introvert. No, I don't like to speak in front of people. He didn't ask me any of that. He just called me to speak and lead. And I never would have chosen to do this And that's why Paul calls it in Acts, when we lay down our will, it's called the living sacrifice. Romans 12.1 says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. If you want to worship the Lord, then live your life as a living sacrifice. Humbly surrender it all to him. And number four, this is the last one. The the woman clothed with humility knows her Savior. In Numbers 12, 3, it says, Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. It would be pretty amazing to have your name written in the Bible saying you were the most humble person, right? But what's interesting in in this is that Moses 
wrote numbers. Do you get that? <laughs> Moses wrote, Moses was the most humble man on the earth. So if I were to stand here today and tell you, I am definitely the most humble person in this room right now, you would think to yourself, wow, you're probably the most arrogant person in this room, right? So if Moses was so humble, why did he write that? Well, he wrote that because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write that, like the whole Bible. The whole Bible was written through um, the Holy Spirit, through God. And so he wrote that because the Holy Spirit told him to, and I'm sure as he was writing it, he was probably thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to make me look so bad when I write this. But you know what? He didn't care. He didn't care what people were going to think as they read this book. You know why? He didn't care because he loved God so much and he knew him and he was close to him. And he spent so much intimate time with the Lord and his brother and sister Aaron and Miriam, Miriam, um, they were kind of upset with Moses and God heard them in their conversation one day and they were like, who does Moses think he is? God speaks to us too, not just him. Well, God overheard this conversation and he was not happy about it. And in Numbers 12, 6 through 9, it said, And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. But not my, service, my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them and departed. It said that Moses saw God as he is. And the result was that he was the most humble man on earth. So what does that say? The more we know God, the more humble we're going to be, right? The more we spend time with him and the more we see who he really is and we learn about him through in his word, how gracious and loving and wise he is, the more we're going to elevate him in our minds and reduce ourselves. right? John 3, 26 through 30 said, So John's disciples, speaking of John the Baptist, came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. So John recognized that Jesus was the Savior, and his response was an attitude of humility. He had the same attitude that we must have, and that is Jesus must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Now, when I get dressed in the morning, I usually look out the window, right? You're like, okay, what? maybe go to the weather app, except that's meant to steal your joy because it's always wrong, right? Um, but I, I kind of 
say, okay, what's this day? Am I going to have meetings? Um, am I speaking or am I just going to be in the office all day? And I kind of, you know, determine according to my situation what I'm going to wear. So if we're going to be clothed with humility, we need to choose what we're going to put on spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. So if I'm in a difficult meeting, I can choose to put on the humility of cooperation. If I'm in my marriage, I can choose to put on the humility of respect. In dealing with conflict, we can choose to put on the humility of peacemaker. Maybe in a friendship that's been pushed off by really busy schedules, we can put on the humility of initiator. Because after all, humility is saying, I'm not proud. We've both been really busy. You know what? No, I, she can call me if she wants to call me. No, let's set that aside. Put aside any pride and say, you know what? I'm going to initiate that. In parenting, we put on the humility of kindness and patience. So as daughters of the king that we are, we are to be loving and kind and gracious, especially with those that rub us the wrong way, because how many know that it's easy to love those that love us, right? But God-given humility says that we need to love everyone. And in a world dominated by self-promotion, being humble is very uncommon. The world would ask, how are we ever going to get ahead if we don't self-promote, right? I mean, look at social media. All it is is self-promotion. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look what I did, look where I've been, look, look at my friends. It's all self-promotion. But God offers such powerful blessings with humility. John, James 4.10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. When we spend more time in the mirror of his word rather than looking in the mirror of our bathrooms, we will become more like Jesus. When we invest dedicated and intentional time getting to know him through his word, we grow spiritually, and in due time, he is the one that lifts us up. Before we live for God, we need to be friends with God. We sit in his presence, and we open our hearts, and we just admit our need for him. And then he pours out his grace on us so beautifully. And he calls us to walk in purpose and passion and purity. And he's the one that gives us the strength to do that. So the more time we spend with him, the more humility is going to grow in all of us. And as I close today, I just want to give you a challenge for this week. It's something that I find myself doing, and it just, um, it's just a position of humility. And what I like to do is just find a quiet place, and I just get on my knees and I just open up my hands. It's just a, it's a posture of humility. And you know what? You can just pray and say, God, I'm your daughter. I know I'm a daughter of the king. I thank you for that placement. Lord, I know my strength only comes from you. I surrender my life to you and I want to get to know you more. That's all he's asking of us. He just wants us to be humble before him, to tell him that we need him, and that we want to know him more. So that's my challenge for you this week, 
is just to find a quiet spot and to do that. So let me pray for you. Oh, Father, we love you so much. God, you're so, so good to us. And I pray that as we start this new semester, Lord, that you would just help us to be more reliant on you, to be more dependent on you, God. To help us know where our strength comes from, God, it only comes from you. And Lord, I pray that we would just want to know you more and more and grow in humility with you as our Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.